Well, let's, uh, let's ask God to bless us. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word, comfort in difficult times and, and uh, establishment in the good. We'd ask that you would uh, point us to you and your son. In all that we study, in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're looking at essentially Mark chapter 1. Mark is that, that gospel that kind of an also ran. It's the unfinished work. Um, you know, the, the, the one that didn't get to the really at the end of the story, at the end of the book. It's a very, it, most people think that it was the first gospel written um, early in the first century. Um, Mark is not one of the disciples. Mark is possibly Peter's son, possibly Peter's stepson, possibly just someone Peter had some sort of spiritual charge over. But he seems to be answering the question uh, throughout the book of who is this man? We're not going to get into necessarily what that question is. But in Mark chapter 1, Verses, we're going to, our primary section is 1, Mark 1 1 through Mark 1 15. Now it's echoing immediately this quote that I have right at the top of the right hand side out of Isaiah 40. This is the Septuagint rendering. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight the paths of our God. So Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So what he has done here, Mark has done, he has quoted that section, Isaiah 40, uh, verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. A little bit more than that, he's also a, a kind of appended, without telling you, uh, a quote from Malachi, uh, chapter 3, um, to the top of it, where it says, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face who shall prepare thy way. That's out of Malachi. Then he steps into Isaiah 40 with the rest of the quote. You say, well, that's kind of pretty sloppy footnoting, isn't it? Uh, don't you get into trouble if you're in a graduate program someplace and you don't quote accurately? Well, Mark's not hiding this, nor is he showing any ignorance. He's not looking at it and inventing something. He's quoting both. Because also in his mind is John the Baptist. He says, verse 4, John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and had a leather girdle around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. 
Now, Mark is no slouch about this. He's not just a bad quoter, a poor combiner of things that he should have footnoted better, because he's talking about John the Baptist here, preparing the way of the Lord. What's interesting, when he adds Malachi, if you have a Bible, you can look at it, Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And by the end of Malachi in this section, it's going to... Uh, um, uh, tied in with this in the next chapter, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. This is long after Elijah. Elijah, living back in the days of Ahab, Malachi, after the captivity. Hundreds of years after Elijah. But he says, Elijah is going to come. And he also said, this, this messenger is going to come to prepare the way of the Lord. And then Mark tells you what John wore. And you say, I'm losing you, Evan. You got a quote that isn't mentioned. Half of the quote is used out of Malachi. And then you say it's really important that it's John the Baptist because you're talking about Elijah. What? Because at one other point, Jesus says, he is Elijah. Speaking of John, he is Elijah who was to come. John was the fulfillment of Elijah. But he doesn't say that here. He just tells you what he was wearing. Because in, this is just completely unnecessary, but 2 Kings, I have the reference there for you to look at in your freedom of your own Bible reading. Speaking of Elijah, chapter 1 of 2 Kings, they answered him. He wore a garment of hair cloth with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. So in this section, you say, wow, you mean the Bible's deep? Why, yes it is. And it's about repentance, because that's, that's really religious. Repentance, let's be really sorry. You've seen that even with the priests of Baal. I mean, how many times have you danced around the altar of the Lord or in the chancel here, cutting yourself with knives? Because that's religious. That, I mean, that shows you're sorry, I think. Or the followers of Ali and the Shiite religion of Islam whipping themselves with sharp blades, blood pouring out of all their wounds. Medieval penitentes or flagellants whipping themselves till they pass out. We understand repentance, okay? We like this sort of thing. Oh, and we like how arcane this hidden information is. I just threw that in there. Just not because it had much to do with the sermon, but there it is lying on the surface. The combined quote between Malachi and Isaiah. Isaiah is only mentioned. And then, but it's clear that Mark knows about the Elijah prophecy out of Malachi, which comes right after the portion he quotes. This is all very interesting. And you have to have the discussions, you know, after church over a beer. You say to yourself, do you think Elijah was John the Baptist? I ask you. But we missed the point. The point here in the simple gospel of Mark, you get right through in the first 15 
verses. He jumps right through John's ministry, um, the temptation of Christ, John's arrest. He just, 15 verses, he's through all that. Very straightforward. Verse 7, he says, And he preached, speaking of John the Baptist, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, with thee I am well pleased. And he was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. The whole temptation is wrapped up in one line. None of that talking with Satan business, which you get in the other Gospels. Very short baptism of Jesus. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the Gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. I want to encourage you, and I know I've said it before, I want to encourage you more. Sometimes when we get our head wrapped around repentance, we think we wrap our head around repentance, you've got to be sorry that you're bad. That's enough for admission to the, to the, to the game. Are you sorry? Did you say you were sorry? But this kingdom of God business, that this whole section is the announcement of it. John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord shows up. John points at him and says, he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Believe in him. And then Jesus comes along and says, yes, you should have repented like John said, but you need to believe in me. Repent and believe in the gospel. Be baptized with water for repentance, but be baptized in the Holy Spirit for power. That's what St. Peter says about this passage in Acts when he's explaining how Cornelius, the Roman centurion, becomes a Christian. He says, I remembered what the Lord said. John baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he recognized that in Cornelius' conversion. We want to make sure that all of this, there's a lot of interesting things, a lot of pre-religion pre-Christianity. John the Baptist is sort of like the last of the Old Testament saints, you know. He's not a Christian. He dies before Christianity starts. Or we look at the Old Testament, and we, the Old Testament is, is this great uh, 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 section on the revelation of God and who he is, but it is not the religion God wants you to believe. It is proto-religion. It's the beginning point. The law of Moses was supposed to be a custodian for you. It was not the end. It did not make you sons of God. 
You're sons of Israel. But the kingdom of God is coming. All the remarkable things that, things like repentance or weird connections between Elijah and John the Baptist, we like those discussions. But that whole thing was there so that the messenger who went before his face, who prepared the way, was preparing the way, thy way, when he says, back in verse 2, um, I send my messenger before thy face. That's not your face. That is the person he is preparing the way for. Who will prepare thy way? This is a basic thing for religious people. We sometimes think that we're having, you know, the Tao, you know, the way. It's a way for me to the Noble Eightfold Path. You're a Buddhist. The Noble Eightfold Path is the way for you to walk. And so you like the Beatitudes, and you like, it's like a constitution for the Christian life. You're all sorts of, how should we then live? Yeah, there's a lot of good questions about how you should live. But the kingdom of God was announced to you in terms of not you being put on a way that would lead you uh, right in your life, but you being made into the way that your God would walk. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Not make your paths straight. No, it does make your paths straight. And all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. There are other promises to that end. But here, the announcement of the kingdom of God, the way being prepared is not a way for you to live. A way for you to walk. A way for you to behave yourself. It's what has to happen in order for God to walk on you. I suddenly had flash in my mind the footprints poster again, which I despise. But you always think about it in other ways, and this is where I got, well, there's one set of footprints. Yeah, that's because they were in sin and I couldn't hang around with you. How about a parking lot, you know? God has made you into a parking lot that he may walk on your face. Because that's what you're being made into. That's what Elijah John is doing. He's preparing the way for his God. His God is coming. The incarnation is happening. It's Christmas almost season. The incarnation. Christ, the kingdom of God, had come into the world. And there had to be people for him to move in. And so John came to prepare the way of the Lord. So, your repentance was a beginning point. Straightened out, forgiven. He preached repentance for forgiveness of sins. And so they confessed their sins. And then John says, okay, one more piece of information. You've repented. You've confessed. You've been forgiven. Look at that man. When he pointed at Christ walking by behind the crowd, in one of the other Gospels, he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is the man who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
So after John gets put in jail, after those first few moves into the new kingdom of God, Christ is preaching. Time's up, he says. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. I have got to be made a path for my God long before I try to find out the path that I have to walk for him. lot better if my God has walked on me, if I have been prepared in repentance and belief, if I have been made the way that God can walk in this world, I almost don't have to think about what is the way I find. Because God in me is that life. It is that light. When you think about the way that John prepared, think in terms of what was intended to walk down the way. In that image, that metaphor, however you want to look at it, what was intended? Were you intended to walk it or was Christ intended to walk it? Have you been treating your own repentance This is the transition between repentance and belief. Have you been treating your own repentance? I'm straightening out my life. I'm going to quit this drinking. I'm going to quit this messing around. I'm going to quit this whatever sins you're doing. I'm going to live a better life. For the Christian, it's not promises of a better life. It's falling on your knees before God in belief because it is by grace you have been saved not of your own doing. So you repent and believe. You don't repent and work your hiney off. Your hiney will be worked off by Holy Spirit in you. Don't try to walk away of repentance. It is not a highway you're riding or, or moving along. You're not being led to some great end in your life. You could be led to the Colosseum and have yourself eaten by lions. You could have your head chopped off. ISIS is doing that for us right now all over the world. They're grabbing Christians and cutting their throats. That could be your reward for Jesus Christ. Hey, where's Disneyland? We want Disneyland. So we try to make ways in the church that people would live. Ways of the church that people would live. Rather than, how do I become the way of my God? Repent and believe in the gospel. Now I added onto this John 1, because it's dealing with the same portion. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony, to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. This was what's wonderful about this situation. The true light that made the world was coming into the world. I want you to understand that the highway made is for this being. The true light maker of heaven and earth, was coming into the world. You could add an exclamation point to that. 
This is, this is the magic of creation. The world had existed for 4,000 years. Made by this powerful being. And because of the sin of man, when the time was fulfilled, the kingdom of God was at hand, that creator came into the world. And he was the true light, and it was going to enlighten every man. John was there. He was not the true light. He was preaching repentance, but he was pointing to. He was testifying to the light. Everybody was enlightened, it says. <coughs> it enlightens every man. <coughs> and somehow the world knew him not. He was in the world, verse 10. The world was made by him, but the world knew him not. <coughs> they didn't bother to notice. You ever bother you? <coughs> Not that people, sometimes we get a little bit uh, doubtful. How come Christianity doesn't win? Because people like us. Because we're expecting that this is not a repent and believe religion. If we were, yeah, how many of you would kind of, you're, you're lying in your bed at night thinking about what would you do if you were in charge of Christianity? And how many of you would get all ISIS on us? You know, if we just killed everybody, I can see that working out. All the people that are bad, we just kill them. Or beat them. Not repent and believe. Because when repent and believe, my gosh, repentance is something you have to be convinced you have to do. You're a rat bastard. I, I, I don't know if you know that. Or you were, those of you who aren't repentant yet. I mean, you are a rotten human being. Again, not those of you who have repented, but all of us at one time or another, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What was that passage out of jumps to mind? These things happen. They don't end up in your notes, and I apologize for that. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is 1 Corinthians 6. Do not be deceived. Neither the immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then it says, and such were some of you. We were all rat bastards. All of us. If you haven't repented yet, this afternoon is free. There's nothing to do. The Seahawks don't play to win. Five. 5.30. Okay, so you have time. Well, some of you might need more time than that. But after church, you can be on your knees. Not down here. I'm going to lock up. At home, in the privacy of your closet, where you know what your sins are, God knows who your, what your sins are, you can repent. 
Because the path of the living God, God has walked this earth. He came to earth 2,000 years ago. He honored us with his presence. And we knew him not. We knew him not. And he has sent a messenger. He prophesied the messenger hundreds of years earlier in Isaiah and in Malachi and said, I'm sending Elijah back to kind of smooth out this way. And the message he's going to preach is repentance and belief in the Christ. He's going to testify to the light. The light's then going to show up and says, Hi, I'm the light. Repent and believe the gospel. But even then, after Elijah came back, and repentance was preached, and Christ's life and belief was pointed at, his own people, verse 11, he came into his own home, and his own people received him not. Now, verse 12 is great, though. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We did. That's why we're in a church. And it's not the church does anything for you. We're in the church, we're fellowshiping with one another because we believed, we received, we believed, we became his child. We became the way of our Christ into this world. Those of you who are still dead in your sins who are still whatever that list was in Corinthians, who have not begun this. You've got to become the why. Otherwise, being here is not going to do nothing for you. I don't care which church you pick. I don't care which kind of resolution you try to make. Repentant belief toward God in Christ. He is the light. He is the God that walks on the highway. You are not the God that walks on the highway. You're the highway. Did you receive it? Did you believe in his name? You became children of God. Now why is this? This was in a world far worse than the one you live in. You know, far worse. You, you, we, we get exposed to a lot of wickedness in the world because we can go to Walmart and we can buy a 42-inch flat-screen TV, go home, hang it on the wall, and it shows me, oh my God, there are riots in Paris. So, oh, it seems like an awful... I just bought a flat-screen TV. I can see stuff from the other side of the world instantaneously. You live a pretty good life. It's not like Palestine, you know, circa 50. It suddenly didn't get better and utopian for these people who are deciding to follow Christ. Most of the guys, like Mark and others, died the death of martyrs. That didn't confuse them. They didn't go, oh my gosh, how come we're losing? Because the kind of light, we're not trying to create some institution of power, claim more of the world for ourselves. This is the kingdom of God. We were born not of blood, but of God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory. 
glory as of the only Son from the Father. Is that where you've been? Because so many of us will hear the message of repentance. You could do the Jonathan Edwards sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and you can get people to squirm about their sins, right? Easy to guilt is just a, it's a great manipulator. That doesn't, because it can be used to manipulate you, does not mean you're not guilty. You're still guilty. It just, some people manipulate you the wrong direction. John was preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. God in Christ preaches repentance for forgiveness of sins. But it's in the grace of God, not in your repentance. It's in your grace of God, not in the membership in this church. It's in the grace of God, not in Christianity getting bigger. It's not Christianity that's getting bigger. We're not trying to make a highway for us. Our God is already God. He is full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory. You went from repentance to seeing Jesus. And too much of us want to repent because our windshield is still full of ourselves. Okay, I've got to get over this. Man, I've got to quit doing this. Whatever this is. Whatever this is for you. you. You might get inspired to repent, but you're still looking at you. What does it say? I send my messenger before thy face who shall prepare thy way. Again, it is of God, not of you. Glory is of the only Son from the Father. John bore witness to him and cried, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, for he was before me. He said back in Mark that I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. Do you know what your repentance, what you were being laid out for? I just had a lot of concrete work done at my house. It was fun. Guys play with, you know, women. Leslie was cutting out, what are they, fabric? Uh, quilt stuff with Kenny and uh, uh, some other people. They, they put out, they make little elephants. There's concrete being poured in the backyard. Did I say concrete? And men stand around with leather gloves on with their hands on their hips, looking at the concrete being poured. Gravel being laid down, packed down. Forms being built, a lot of waste of lumber. Big truck comes in, knocks the hoop off my basketball backboard. Well worth it. It's great to watch, you know, I got this new driveway in it. There are highways the Romans built, they're still essentially usable. They had better concrete than we had. We know what it takes to make a path. So as you meditate on this path that you're being, this, this insensitive pastor is suggesting that you are a sinner. And let's just say you're not forgiven yet, so it's, it's kind of nagging at you. It's kind of saying, first you say, he shouldn't be saying that. I think he's judging. Yes, I'm judging. So I've said it. Now you've got to say, okay, all right, yes, I really am guilty of this. 
Am I really that awful? Yes, you're really that awful. Do you need to be fixed? Yes, because if you don't get fixed, you die. And you die the second death. You don't die just the first death. All of us die the first death. The second death is less pleasant. So this repentance, this turning, is like all that gravel going down, the forms being set up, being tamped down, you're being made into a pathway, and you want to be asking yourself, who's going to walk on this? And you want to look up from laying that concrete, and you want to look at Christ. You don't want to say, like I did with my driveway, I get to drive on this. Because that's who I built the driveway for. It was for Evan. So I know you may feel, hey, look, Evan's got a new driveway. And you might say, I have a social event going on at the house. They occasionally happen. Can't find any parking. Evan's driveway's open. He's got lots of concrete. It's not for you. My Christianity goes so far. If you came in and asked, maybe. But that's what's wonderful about it. It's mine. My highway. It's only about 50 feet long, but it's my highway. The kingdom of heaven. But your repentance is not yours. You repented of your dead works, your offense to the living God. And you have asked him to make straight the way of the Lord. You need to look on him, not on yourself, because he is full of grace and truth. You don't have the grace or truth. He's the glory of the only Son of the Father. Verse 16, And from his fullness have we all received grace upon grace. That's what you need in that. Because repentance, unless it's for the forgiveness of sins, and there's not some sort of magic in this world if you say you're sorry to somebody. Have you ever noticed that? Everyone likes to keep it horizontal. You want to keep your sorries. Well, she... Uh, well, she, I, she owes me an apology. Or, you know, I owe them an apology. And we think somehow if I go tell so-and-so, I'm sorry I yelled. Somehow their forgiveness does something for you. It does not. They are not in charge of ethics. God is in charge of ethics. It's nice that you let them know. They feel better about it. They may grant you, yes, I don't hold this against you, but it was evil. And evil is evil because God is God, not because your spouse, your friend, your co-worker that you sinned against is God. We need this grace. We need to see him for the repentance. We need to see him for the belief that the way we are being made to the kingdom of God, that God will walk on us, is full of grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. Christianity, you coming to a knowledge of God, you having received him, believed in his name, is because you understood two things. His Elijah John came and said, repent and believe in that. The guy who you were supposed to believe in said, yes, believe in me. I am making God known. I am God coming to this world. 
it is important that you stop seeing yourself. All of your wickedness, remember I said you were rat bastards? Which, you know, I know this is a church, and I know I'm a pastor, and I shouldn't say bastards. But it's effective. It's a descriptor. It, 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 it picks up all the, the points. Because that much, that's what we are. What is a bastard? It's an illegitimate son. And we become true sons of God, not illegitimate sons of the creation, where we end up just being accidents that people didn't intend. We become the intentional, forgiven sons of God, children of God. It's important that you know you were a bastard. It's important. Because I don't want you in repentance to be looking at the arrangement of life you're going to make after you repent and continuing to look at yourself. Because the second half, belief, is not belief in you. You're a complete tool anyway. You believe in Jesus Christ. And he has made God known. Verse 18 of chapter 1 of John. Now I cut off the passage of Isaiah 40 that came right after the quote that was quoted in Mark, but I didn't want to give it up. It's right here at the bottom. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and all the crooked ways shall become straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall appear, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. For the Lord has spoken it. The voice of one saying, cry, and I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Do you realize all sorts of lives and all sorts of calamities and at the end of no matter what happens, no matter how good your retirement plan or how good your insurance or whatever else it is that you've got, you're going to be just as dead as the next guy. The calamity of this life is for all of us. This building, you might steam clean the carpets, you guys might rake the yard. It's going to be dust and ashes someday. They'll probably put up an apartment complex. All of it dies. But God, this is the kingdom of God we're interested in. And the word of God we're interested in. We want to look away from this to him. To see the salvation of God. The glory of the Lord appearing. And that's what John was representing, John the Baptist. That's what Christ announced that he was. The enlightenment of man. O thou, verse 9, that bringest glad tidings to Zion, go up on the high mountain, lift up thy voice with strength, thou that bringest glad tidings to Jerusalem, lift it up, fear not, say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold the Lord. Did you notice that he said, Make this known to Jerusalem, make this known to Judah. You go back to Mark and it says, and they went out to him all the country of Judea 
and all the people of Jerusalem. This is the passage that prophesied what John was going to do. And what John was doing out there by the Jordan as they repented, he was saying, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Here Isaiah was saying, Behold your God. Behold the Lord. Are you going from repentance? Hard enough to get to that point of repentance because this is the stiffest joint in the body. It's really hard. I know this. I want to get my father ready in the morning and I have to bathe him and, and I have to dry his feet, which he loves this, which his son's bowing down in front of him. I'm 61 for heaven's sake. Well, he's 88. So I, it's a long way down. Luckily, his walker's right there and I could use it. But knees are really hard. Glenda will tell you. It's rough when your knees are going. It's hard, I realize. Repentance is tough to get on your knees and say, I'm a schmuck. I'm lousy. I'm evil. I've been about me the whole time. But when you get up off your knees, there's a, there's a weight lifted for having forgiven, been forgiven, having been repented. But with, for grace, we have to look at something. And your plan for the future is not good enough. Behold your God. Look on Christ. That phrase the Greeks used, and, and I think Luke says, but we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. That is the incarnation of your God. He has made him known. The only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. Look at Christ. The Word of God does not pass away. All things else do. You've got the Word of God? Sit down and read it. Submit yourself to it. The Lord is coming with strength. And his arm is with power. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. You're looking at what God's power, God's reward, God's work is happening on the pavement that you've become. Have you looked to repentance? Have you looked towards God? Have you been prepared? Have you been made straight? Have you been made level? His power, his reward, his work, it's called the kingdom of God because it's not the kingdom of heaven. Heaven's driveway notwithstanding, it's a very small piece of ground. None of the kingdoms that we can build last but the kingdom of God, which is inside each one of us, is us being made that pavement. We look at ourselves, we repent. What else could we do when we see that? If you look at yourself, don't look at other people, look at yourself. What else could you do but repent? When you look at Christ, you say, none of the life I had planned is like this. Jesus Christ is not planning Disneyland for you. Jesus Christ is not planning fun times at the church. Jesus Christ, whether it's fun, whether it's Disneyland, or whether you're being killed by somebody for being a Christian, or you're just dying at the end of your life. It's not my kingdom anyway. I wasn't trying to build the kingdom for me. I could understand dying would be a kind of a drag if it was your kingdom we were talking about. His reward, his power, his work. Let's pray.
Dear Lord God, we are grateful for your great mercies. We'd ask that you would bless us with more examination of our repentance, our hearts, our rightness before you, and our gaze set on you to believe. Thank you, in your son's name, amen.